Welcome to episode nine of Crossword, Perspectives on WordPress and the Open Web. I'm Jonathan. I'm Luke. How are you, Jonathan? I'm good and disappointed and, uh, I don't know, feeling a lot of things right now. Um, WordCamp Asia was canceled. We were going to do our next episode there. Mm. How are you feeling about it all? Yeah, disappointed is a good word. I think I'm un- I'm unhappy with the decision to cancel it. I think I can say. Mm. I know a lot of people are being really super supportive, which is fantastic, uh, especially because the organizers put in a lot of time and a lot yeah. of effort, uh, and would have been so excited about the first ever Asian WordCamp, only to have Matt come along and cancel it on them. And so, yes, uh, offer your support of the organizers because, uh, you know, if if I'm feeling disappointed and if you're feeling disappointed, imagine how they must feel. Well, let's, let's uh, I mean, there's a whole lot more than Matt and making a decision like that. Yeah, like, it may, that may be so. It may be so. It's, but- it's certainly so. I, I mean, I know from just watching internal conversations, there's... Well, you've got the inside scoop. I do. <laughs> Um, but just as a, an interested attendee as well and seeing, I think for me, the hard part about all this is just, yeah, so much volunteer effort goes into something like this. And my, my instinct is that, yeah, it's the right call. If anything were to have happened, like right now, it's, it's one of those things where if you make the decision to not do it, well, nothing's going to happen now. Right. So it's kind of anticlimactic and we just deal with the negative aspects of it, not moving forward. Mm-hmm. But if for some terrible reason, you know, things got worse and suddenly, because there is a genuine risk, right? Like, uh, yes. But it's a, a, such a small one. Yeah. I'll tell you why I think, why, sure. why my impression was that it was canceled by Matt is, is just because of the straightforward reading of the announcement post, which says, Due to the recent concerns, Matt Mullenweg has decided to cancel WordCamp Asia and that the organizing team is standing by this decision, which makes it seem to me like it wasn't the organizing team's decision. It was WordCamp.org's decision, probably driven by Matt or at least approved by Matt. And sure, the organizing team sort of seemed, seems to me, didn't really have too much of a choice. They have to stand by the decision. They can't say no. Sure. I, I'm going to take my automatic hat off for a moment. And just as a member of the community, my read on this situation is that Matt did the right thing and that the message came from him. He's ultimately positioning himself as being also willing to take the fall for it, right? Like, because there are going to be people who are unhappy and it's helpful to have someone to point to. Well, I'm pointing um, to him. But again, though, my biggest feeling in all this is yeah, there's, it's, I mean, so there was the suggestion about it being more of an online event and I've seen folks respond positively to that. And you know, there's some definite possibilities there yet from, for the organizers, I can, I completely understand their position in this post that I read of not wanting to be involved in that. All right. Like that's, this yeah, isn't what I'll, they said. I wouldn't to do. want to be either. No. So uh, it's difficult to me, man. like the Australian government, it's travel advice to Thailand is go, you know, you can go be cautious, but go to Thailand. The next step up would be restrict travel to the region if, if you can. And then the next step beyond that is cancel your plans, you know? So 
Yeah. I know the Australian government is is fine with people visiting Thailand, um, and uh, things like Mobile World Congress, which is you know the the largest mobile phone event in the world, is happening in Barcelona the same weekend, and nobody has cancelled that an event much bigger than than WordCamp. There was another event in Thailand that was just cancelled. I'm forgetting which one it was, but one of the someone brought it to my attention. It. <laughs> I mean, one thing like that was curious, that's, I think there was a, a gentleman who put a poll on Twitter like a couple nights ago. I'm sure you saw it. I think he basically tagged everyone who had a Twitter handle who listed them as, as going last. I looked more than 30% of respondents. This was before the cancel cancellation had already said that they were not attending. Yeah. That's, which, that's a different reason to cancel and, and probably a good one. I, I had a number of friends who pulled out Stratic, who do static WordPress hosting. There was a whole contingent of them that weren't going. Yeah, uh, Frankie from GoDaddy, he, you know, offered to uh, let me stay in his accommodation since he he was wasn't going to go anymore. I still yeah. think it's an overreaction. You know, there's a very sure, limited amount sure. of cases in Thailand. Well, as as a sense of this, I live up in rural North Idaho, and as a precaution, I said, well, I'll go to my local store and buy some masks. I know which ones to get and take them with me. Um, the Home Depot, which is our, a big hardware store here in Coeur d'Alene, North Idaho, was sold out of masks. Yeah, that's crazy. And all crazy. the places around here are sold out of masks because uh, someone else, a friend in Pittsburgh, the local Target, sold out of masks. And for me, I read that without knowing for sure, certain as... Locals concerned that it's going to get here, and so it's, they're it's both up. crazy and it's crazy making. It makes me so frustrated that people blow these things out of proportion and and make decisions based on fear. And I feel WordCamp has suffered from that. Uh, I, I worry about. I'm having sponsors. a hard time imagining. Yeah, the spot. I'm having a hard time imagining like the energy for next year. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. time will take care of that, but like. Asia is a really important part of this ecosystem. It was a big deal that we're having this first, this first event, and now it's like, now what? If you're the team working on that, you know, a week before, but the reality of it, it just it sucks, right? Like, yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. It sucks. So I guess we'll see you in uh, WordCamp Europe. All going well. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I'd like to be there. So. I thought we could talk about a meeting that happened recently in the WordPress yes. Slack about the future of themes. Actually, it was called, somewhat controversially, a block-based themes meeting. <laughs> and uh, that, that got some pushback, you know, because there's a few people there that were like, well, <laughs> is the future of themes necessarily block-based? They, You know, questioning the premise and saying that that was a bit of a maybe a biased title for the th for the meeting um but the reality is whether we like it or not the future of wordpress is block based and the future of themes is going to be block based and yes and one of the things i love about wordpress if if you really don't want it to be for yourself it doesn't have to be <laughs> you don't have to use blocks and uh Anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, on your own personal site, you might be able to hack around it, but 
also if you're an agency if you want to be competitive you've got to use blocks if you're a theme author selling on theme forest then you want to be competitive you don't have a choice i think in general i (laughs) i find i'm most interested in the ecosystem ramifications of things like this Right, like uh, it's interesting from reading the reviews on Gutenberg that people still point to and talk about media and crazy. uh, (laughs) That's one of our closest equivalents right now, right? People jump on the bandwagon. It's totally different because there is a very, very large, a much, much larger amount of people in the United States that have lost a lot of money because of Gutenberg. Sure. There's also a lot of opportunity, right? Like I think, I don't know. This is where my optimism can sometimes get the better of me. It's hard for me to not see, even with the challenges and difficulties, but there's so much potential here. Why are people having such a hard time like pushing, like pushing against it? But um, anyway, that's one of the things that I find interesting. Reading the comments, uh, Justin did a great recap and we'll link it in the show notes for anyone missing it. Yeah, uh, Fantastic recap. The- there's also a yeah. really good recap on on Make WordPress. Yeah, so the community ramifications of Gutenberg, in general, broadly speaking, are still being felt. Yes. The, the classic editor plugin is still hugely, hugely popular. There are still, if you go to a WordCamp, if you go to a WordCamp like, I don't know, one in Bangkok today, then, and then ask the audience, <laughs> you know, who here is an agency and a, a bunch will put up their hands. Yeah. And then you say out of you with your, your hands up, who is making themes that, that are built around the block editor. I reckon more than half will put their hand down. Yep. The adoption of Gutenberg by the professional world has been very, very, very slow. I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting, right? Cause that could be your perception. It'd be an interesting thing to actually test. Okay. I would assume that more would, and but maybe not happy about it, right? Like maybe they're doing more with it because they feel like they have to, but maybe they're not happy about it. This is something I've talked with lots of people about. I, I asked this exact question at, at WordCamp Brisbane, although that was quite a, a, maybe like nine months ago now, but probably a scattering of people using Gutenberg. I think that most WordCamps you go to, the vibe is, you know, we need to figure out this Gutenberg thing because it's we're still trying to figure it out and we haven't mm. gotten there yet. And, you know, it's just costing a lot of time and money and stress and hassle because people haven't adopted it because it's hard to adopt. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that, that I think that's an important aspect of all of this is if it's got a high barrier of entry, it's going to take longer. It's going to be more difficult to adopt. And, and at least my sense, I haven't looked at it recently, is that it has a high barrier. You have to, if you don't know JavaScript. No, no. If you don't know you're React. Fairly limited. Like a, you know, whole, whole different. Oh, sure. You know, a subset of it, yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's hard. It's interesting, though, because you can then apply that frame to block-based themes, Right, so you can say a huge mm. change is coming to WordPress, uh, a bigger change than Gutenberg, even. Although, well, it's user facing, but it's also theme author facing, uh, agency facing, and that's block based themes. The interesting thing here is, although it's actually a bigger change in terms of UI, in terms of 
technical uh, underpinnings. It's actually a lower barrier to entry for creating themes. Hmm. Hmm. So on the one hand, it's going to require a massive change in mindset. You know, like if Gutenberg did a poor job of change management, uh, then, you know, we've yeah. got to really learn a lot from that process and apply it here because we really badly need to bring people on the journey because it's a huge change. It's a huge workflow change and people will feel threatened because, because it's so much easier now to create themes. Ah, yes. Yes. That's, there's an interesting tension there, right? Where, where for at least some in the, I'll call it like the builder ecosystem, agencies and freelancers, et cetera, part of the value is the complexity of like, (laughs) there's some job security in WordPress's complexity. And the more that it moves to being quote unquote, no code necessary, which I think is really important then then there's like okay well what are we going to do so yeah, a lot of theme authors are worried uh, and it came across in this meeting there, there was a number of questions along these lines uh, about having less and less creative freedom in their themes and the mm. response to that is well you'll you'll actually have more creative freedom it's just a different creative freedom but i can't help but wonder mm. whether giving users more control over how the theme is styled and shaped and how it looks and uh, where the template fits together will actually, I think it might cause a consolidation of themes. Maybe we don't need as many themes. Mm -hmm. We can have, you know, instead of a few hundred thousand, maybe a few thousand or a thousand different themes. It might cover just about everything everyone wants to do. It seems naive to say, but I, I just wonder, that's all. In my experience, that's often what happens. Once you find something that works, and I've done this with multiple different themes over the course of my developer experience in WordPress, you you find a theme that works and then you use it a bunch of times for a bunch of different sites and you iterate on it and then until it's time to do something else and you'll find ways to make that work. Um, I definitely see a future where there's fewer themes used by more, which has pros and cons to it. So we might see a consolidation of themes. I'd expect so. And my hope, I mean, okay, so let's come come back to this idea of like, I guess some of the scarcity mindset or people worried about, oh, what happens if we don't have work to do anymore? I, I haven't heard too many people vocalize that, but I suspect that's at least some of the concern. I think right? so. Where, I think so. so, I mean, for me, it's easier said than done. I My hope is that people would then focus on like moving up the value chain, find some other place to apply their creativity and say, okay, if users are feeling, if and if folks, non-technical folks in WordPress are feeling more empowered to create, I had someone ask me just the other day. They have, they want to get more involved in their website. They haven't touched it for years, and at the end of that conversation, I ended up directing them to Squarespace because I, I explained, like, hey, WordPress, better choice. It's yours. It's you know, ownership versus convenience is kind of the trade-off that you have right now. But unless they were willing to, like, if I had a clear place to have directed them, like, oh, this theme I know and this little ecosystem around it is going to be the thing to do, I would have happily told them that. But today, yeah. maybe I just don't know it. It's not obvious to me. I can't send them to. There's no great I could, theme. The, yeah. There's, and they, they there's some promising be. potential. But 
we need that. And I think this move gives an opportunity for some some really uh, valuable consolidation to occur. Yeah, there's no great thing. But there, there are a few things like Genesis, uh, sure. where if you had just a little bit of knowledge around theme building, you could create a child, pretty pretty good child theme. But you know that's where there is a whole industry and a whole world of work has, has sprung up. And giving developers access into um, the WordPress world is, hey, you know, this is how I got started as a developer for WordPress. I built a child theme. Yep. I learned to build <laughs> a real theme. And then I started working on plugins, you know, and that sort of easy path in is is sort of going to go away. There's no development step anymore necessarily. Mm. So that's, that's going to be an interesting change. It's an important discussion. I think uh, it's it's an oversimplification, but I often will characterize developers and agencies. When you look at WordPress, um, a lot of a lot of us came somewhat kicking and screaming. Like there were lots of other tools that we could use. There were tools that were more developer friendly, but people were paying for WordPress to be done. It's become so big that there a lot of the voices that we hear tend to be more on the developer side of things because there, there's enough of that where we can get that concentration. And I think we have to continue to remind ourselves that at the end of the day, WordPress is about empowering non-technical people to create on the web. And for that to be the case, like I, I want to be able to get to this point where someone with no prior experience, oh, you want to create something on the web? Oh, you need to go to WordPress. Now, for given mm. your level of experience, go use this theme and it's going to it's going to guide you to what plugins to use. It's got blocks that you can work with and you're going to be able to just create things and it's fantastic. I feel like that is on the horizon and we yeah, see some potential, but I, I think we're that's not there a, a great point and and that's why I think that overall I'm really positive on block-based themes because the goal of them is to make it easy for end users, non-technical users to really get in and customize and maybe even build their own theme, you know, with just a little yeah. HTML. Yes. If that's the goal, I think this is going to solve that really, really nicely. And it's it's going to do a really good job of it. I think it's a bright future and I love it. But we just can't ignore the fact that there is whole ecosystems, hundreds of thousands mm. of people who get paid yeah. for their WordPress theme knowledge. And that is about to disappear. There is just just yeah. think of Theme Forest alone. Think of Avada, yeah. which you know I I despise. I think it's a terrible theme, but it <laughs> a lot of people rely on things like that. And think yeah, of agencies. Right. You know how the the age old agency story is: client comes to agency saying, "Can you build me a website?" Agency says, "Yeah, we'll build it. Uh, it'll be in WordPress, and it'll cost this much." Client says, "That much." You're kidding me. That's a, that's a ripoff. I can build that WordPress site myself for much cheaper. An agency <laughs> says, look, go ahead, try it. You know, see what happens and you'll see why we charge this much. We've yeah. got the expertise. But if things work out the way that, you know, that we want them to, the agency will be left going, you actually probably can. And in this, and yes, you can put it in yourself, but are you really prepared to write all the content? Are you prepared to figure out strategy for what you do with it? Are you prepared to figure out mm -hmm. you wanted to introduce commerce? There's a lot you need to know about that. And 
my my hope is that these agencies and freelancers, and we can talk about the transition in a moment, will recognize the opportunity to move further away from just menial execution, which can still be an important aspect of it. Some clients still want to pay for that, to to strategy and more like looking for where they can provide more value. I still, it wasn't too long ago, I remember meeting someone who still builds raw HTML pages. And not that that itself is the problem, but that was all that they were willing to get into. And mm-hmm. they were wondering why their practice was struggling. Um, yeah, like Well, that's page. what it's all going back to. That person's really well set up for the future. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. perhaps. But in terms of, there was, no, there was no dynamic functionality. There was no JavaScript. There was mm-hmm. no anything else happening. It was just, yeah. So maybe if they hold out long enough, they'll be good again. <laughs> so, so, but the transition, what do we do about? Yeah, no, I like that take it is, is helping it. You know, there's a lot of parallels with this, you know, conversation happening in the world with AI and automation ah, taking our yes. jobs. Yes. You, know, yes. you know, like so many parallels. I agree that, that agencies can really step up the value chain. Sorry, developers. You know, all of those developers who are employed at those agencies, you can be replaced by a junior now. Uh, <laughs> and step up the value chain, right? Like there there are really complex things to work on. There are more like some of these blocks are going to be incredibly complex and what's right. sort of happening behind the scenes to make them incredibly simple. Sure. But, but yeah, yes, no, that's yes. A good there point. will be people left behind. So yeah. So what do we do with that? Because we can take the attitude of not our problem, which... Ultimately, I think has ramifications that there's, I think there's a lot of unnecessary pain there mm. if what, what, which might be solved by putting some conscious effort into transition and into giving, sometimes people just need an idea. Sometimes people just need a, like they've been so focused on doing a thing. We all do this as humans that you, you get stuck and mm. you don't take that step back to say, where is this going? You stop asking questions and sometimes we just need nudges and or some fresh ideas. And here's a, here's yeah. a product idea then. I like that. I, and I'm really uh, enamored with the idea of encouraging people to step up the value chain. I think mm-hmm. that that's not going to be the default reaction. But no. like you say, we need to get that message out. We need to tell people it's time to step up the value chain. What if, what if there was an online course or more than an online course, an online community based around some coursework for agencies. Um, Troy Dean, what's his what's his course that he does for agencies? Oh yes, uh, Elevate. WP or Elevation Elevate. or something. Yeah, yeah. WP Elevation. That's it. That's a great course for agencies. And I've had friends who wanted to start agencies, did WP Elevation, and their agencies went nuts over that. You mm. ran a little agency course little for a little while. Is that still running? It is actually, yeah. I don't. I'm not involved, but um, it's called creating clients. Um, my friend Luke, different Luke, runs that and does a great job with it. So, what if there were an online course? And you know, here's here's an idea to throw out to our listeners. Anybody can take this one and run with it. Uh, or maybe you know, you and I could work on it if you want. But, <laughs> so the idea is uh, just an online course, an online community to help agencies level up to help agencies uh, find value higher in the chain uh, to help developers level up their skills, you know, move more into the React stuff, think about designs as blocks 
which is a mindset shift that I've had to sit down with multiple agencies. And you know what we'd do? We'd print out the designs and we'd get a mm. marker and draw rectangles. This is a block. Nice. This is a block. The, these two block. These two sections look different, but they can be the same block if we give it this option to, yep. you know, that sort of thing. I love it. So one of the ways that we could look at this too, and I'll, I'll be thinking about this as well, like I'm focused on the WooCommerce community. And one of the things I've been thinking about is what types of content ideas to give for, for especially for the, uh, um, oh, in this case, especially for the meetups that tend to be more developer focused. So with WordPress, the, the WordPress community, there are definitely more developer focused meetups. And this is where some of this content could be especially valuable is talk about the transition, not just show the technical, but actually have a conversation about, call out some of our fears directly. Mm -hmm. Obsolescence, just the uncertainty about where to focus energy and just start talking about it more. I think online materials would be fantastic. I think there's also a lot of opportunity to take this to the meetup circuit, so to speak. And um, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Okay, on a related note, one of the things that came up in the meeting was the idea of locking down template parts so that they couldn't be edited by the end user. I think this it brings up a really interesting mm. point because of course our goal here, like you said earlier, is to make it possible for end users to have complete control over their site, style it the way they want. Uh, and I, I would say that differently actually. Oh, yeah. Complete oh. control. For me, the, the, the core idea is empowerment which is not necessarily connected to complete control. Okay. Right? Like if if I <laughs> if you put me in the cockpit of an airplane, I'm not going to feel very <laughs> empowered by default, right? Great example. But if you hide all the controls though and or or some way like and it's not <laughs> it's uh it's not just as simple as that, but you have to th like if you can guide me into it, right? I got so, you. I don't I got you. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that for me, it's like the thing about WordPress is is making sure that we don't restrict the possibilities while at the same time guiding people. Like it's not enough to just say, here's a thousand options for you. Right. Restricting possibilities is maybe more where I'm getting at. You ask any agency, and I've had this conversation with agencies around blocks, right? I said, well, you know, we could provide the opportunity to, you know, style this particular block in this way or that way as we go about building a custom version of it. You know, we could have these three different options and the agency inevitably will say, well, no, we don't want our uh, user and, and typically it's just a single business using this theme uh, to be have that level of access, to have that level of control. They'll wreck it. We've put in so yeah. much effort into this design. They'll wreck it. They'll make it ugly, you know. And and WordPress has got a bit of a response to that already in terms of look at the color palette, right? You can't choose. Well, you can. You can choose, but you get a warning if you choose a background color and a text color that's hard yep. to read together. So there's yep. something there, but but probably from the theme author's perspective, there's not enough in place to stop users totally uglifying what they create. You know, this is interesting and maybe it's something to get into another time, but I, I've been in meetings with folks on multiple sides of the fence, but there's the sentiment of like, oh no, we don't want editorial to be able to do anything. We don't want them to be able to, you know, make changes. Like we give them constraints. And, and I've 
you know, accepted that. But I wonder, like, is that really the right attitude? Because th- there's a bit of this, like, oh, they're too stupid. Like, they're, they're going to mess it up. Right. And, and that came out in the meeting, too. You know, a, a couple of people said, well, maybe we shouldn't be thinking about it like that. Maybe we should be thinking about it in terms of, you know, if, if the user makes it ugly, maybe that's a UX problem. Mm. right uh if maybe we should be showing them how it looks and and i think legitimately that's not wordpress's decision to make if Mm. if i work for say like an enterprise company i should be able to make the decision that authors can't choose a different color yes yes i i agree with that and that's part of it at the end of the day like i this is why i'm always very drawn to this idea of flavors of wordpress or like WordPress customized for particular markets, right? Where there's going to be more value in constraints. And if someone outgrows that, they can, because it's in WordPress, they could take it somewhere else or they could, you know, get a new theme or whatever. At the outcome of that conversation was at the moment, there's no plans to be able to lock down templates and template parts. Mm. But let's talk about it. Let's create an issue uh, on GitHub. And maybe that happens. And I hope it does happen. I don't think we need different flavors of WordPress, at least not in this case. We can just add that option and people can either take advantage of it or not. Yeah. Uh, and let me clarify. When I say that, I'm referring more to like a theme that you'd install with a suite of plugins that's going to pretty significantly alter the user experience, like streamlining things, taking some things out, etc. right? Actually, that, that reminds me of an, a really, really important aspect of all this, uh, which is the idea of global styles. So Tammy mm. talked a lot yep. in this in the meeting about about global styles. I think this is an amazing idea, long overdue, and should exist whether we have block themes, block based themes or not. Uh, so the idea here is, what if we just took colors and typography? All right. So background color, text color, link color, uh, font size, line height, font family and gave the user ability to customize that as a part of core. Mm. So as you know, most themes that you buy off the shelf already have this feature, mm-hmm. you know, choose your yep. font from these set of Google fonts, you know, and, and choose your font size. And there, a lot of themes already provide these customizations. It'd be really nice to see, see it standard in core for every yeah. theme. Yeah. It, it adoption would be interesting. <laughs> People don't have to, a theme author doesn't have to adopt it, but I think uh, going back to one of my favorite subjects of ours, we can give preference and highlight to themes that do follow best practices if that becomes a best practice, right? Yeah. Like I think, I think part there of is- it, the fear is unintended consequences where someone does something that they don't know how to fix or right. like it's not the way that they imagined. And then they're asking for support, right? It might like, be I think good that's to have a reset to default button. Yes. Yes. Good. Uh, yeah. That's a good example. All right, Jonathan. It's been good. Thanks for hanging out, man. As always, have a good one. Next time.